السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسالة الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Today's discussion is regarding the ultimate injustice thwarting worship and wreaking havoc in Masjid Al-Aqsa. The premise of this talk is on a verse of the Qur'an. And specifically this is Ayah 114 of Surah Al-Baqarah. So today's whole discussion will be based on this one Ayah of the Qur'an. Ayah number 114 of Surah Al-Baqarah. So it's very early in the Qur'an very very early in the Quran the beginning part of the Quran the ayah is a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim wa man adhlamu mimman mana'a masajid Allah an yudhkara fi hasmuhu wa sa'a fi kharabiha ulaika ma kana lahum an yadkhuluha illa khaifin lahum fid dunya khizyun wa lahum fil akhirati 'adhabun 'adhim simple translation of this ayah Allah is saying and who are more unjust, who are more unjust than those who prevent the name of Allah from being mentioned in his masjids and strive towards their ruin, meaning the ruin of the masjid. It is not for them to enter them, meaning enter the masjid, except in fear. For them in this world is disgrace and they will have in the hereafter a great punishment. So this is the ayah that we are going to look at today. Do you want to put the echo down? This is the ayah that we'll be discussing today, inshallah, and understanding how it applies to the current situation. And we will also look at what these scholars of tafsir and scholars of the Quran have said in regards to this. Now, Surah Al-Baqarah, as you know, starts, Alif Lam Mim Dalkal Kitabu La Rayba Fi Hudalil Muttaqin, Aladina Yuminuna Bil Raib, Wayukimun Salat, Wamima Razakanahum, Yunfikun, Ulaika La Hudamir Rabbihim, Baulaika Humul, Muflihun. So these are regarding the believers. And then we have some ayat regarding the Munafiqeen. Now, from Ayah 40 onwards, can I have a Quran, please? This is very interesting because when we look at Quran, Jazakallah, when we look at Quran, you, you can't take an ayah out of context. Because what tends to happen, I can take this ayah and translate it and give it a meaning. But according to the scholars of the Quran, it's very important to look at what comes before the ayah, what comes after the ayah. So we're going to have a look at that now together. So, as I was going through this earlier today, this is ayah number, which ayah number is it? 114. Okay, so re remember this. So 114. Now I'm going to start from ayah number 40. Surah Al-Baqarah. Don't worry, we're not going to go through the tafsir of all of that. 
Some brother Shoaib is already getting worried. So, I just want to go through very quickly, I'm going to go through very, very quickly to give you an idea of what's being mentioned. Because the topic starts from ayah number 40, Surah Al-Baqarah. And when we get to this ayah, it seems like, what's the connection? And then immediately after this ayah, it continues with the same discussion. Look at this. A'udhu billahi shaytanir rajim. Ayah number 40. Ya bani Israel, adhkuru ni'mati allati an'amtu alaykum wa awfu bi'ahdi, awfu bi'ahdikum wa iyaya farhabun. Who is Allah speaking to? Bani Israel. Allah is telling them, fulfill the promise you made to me. Wa aminu bima anzaltu musaddiqan lima ma'akum wa la takunu awwala kafirin bih wa la tashtaru bi ayati thamaran qalila wa iyaya fattakum. Wa la talbisul haqqa bil batil wa taktumul haqqa wa antum ta'lamun wa aqimu salata wa atu zakaa wa raka'u marraki'im. Ata'muruna al-nasa bil bir wa tansawna anfusakum wa antum tatluna al-kitab afala ta'hilun. Wasta'inu bi sabri wa salaha wa innaha la kabiratun illa ala al-khashi'im. Al-lazina yadhunnuna annahum mulaqu rabbihim wa annahum ilayhi raji'un. So that whole ruku is dedicated to initially to Bani Israel. Then again, Ya Bani Israel, adkuru ni'mati allati anamtu alaykum wa anni faddaltukum ala al-alamin. Allah is saying, O Bani Israel, remember I favored you over all of the other people. I gave you so many favors. Fear the day on which no one will be able to make any intercession to Allah. No one's going to come and help you. Then Allah is saying, reminding them again, Remember I saved you from the family of Fir'aun, from the army of Fir'aun. He was punishing you, terrorizing you. Killing your children. Just sparing your women. In this was a great test from you, Allah. Remember I split the sea for you, Allah is saying to the Bani Israel. I split the sea for you. And I made the people of your own drive, uh, drown. وَأَنْتُمْ تَنْذُرُونَ You were watching it happening. You actually saw this miracle happening in front of your eyes. Then, وَإِذْ وَعَدَنَا مُوسَىٰ أَرْبَعِينَ لَيْلَةً Remember the time I promised to Musa salam 40 days, come to the mountain. I spoke to Musa salam. In that time, what did you people do? ثُمَّ اتَّخَذْتُمُ الْعِجْلَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ وَأَنْتُمْ ظَالِمُونَ You started worshipping the calf. And you were ظَالِمِينَ But despite that, what happens? We forgive you. So that you become grateful to Allah. Then Allah says, Now Allah gives Musa salam Torah. He gives him a book. Musa said, You people, you've done dhulm, you've committed shirk. Make dua to Allah that He forgives you. Make tawbah. Those people who did shirk, and those who didn't, you're going to have to kill the one who did shirk. That's going to be your tawbah. So that in the akhirah, Allah forgives you. And Allah will forgive. Remember that time when some of you, Musa salam, took you up, up to the heavens, took you up to the mountain to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You heard Allah speaking with Musa salam, and you said, we don't believe in him until we see him directly with our own eyes. We want to see him. Even though they were chosen to go up with Musa salam, they're hearing the conversation. Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them all to pass out. And then he revived them again. Remember Allah is saying, remember when you guys were in the valley of Tih, 
in the forbidden valley, wandering aimlessly. At that time, we put clouds over you. We made sure that you were shaded. And we gave you man and salwa. Then Allah says, When we said to you guys, Do you remember Bani Israel? We told you, Enter into Baytul Maqdis. And eat from wherever you want. And when you arrive at Masjid Al Aqsa, Baytul Maqdis, make sajda and go inside and say, Allah, say, meaning, Allahumma fillana. And we will forgive you. What did you people do? Quran says, You changed it. Instead of going into Baytul Maqdis making sajda, you went on your backsides, sliding. I mean, who even does that? Like, no sane person does that. So that's what they did. Imagine, right? They were traveling all that time, all them years, striving, 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 striving. And eventually they've seen miracles, they've seen Fir'aun, they've seen the perishing of Fir'aun, they've seen all these miracles going up to get the Torah and hearing Allah and miracle after miracle, splitting of the sea and whatnot. And now eventually, after so much struggle, they've arrived to Baytul Maqdis. All they have to do is enter. And Allah says, make sujood, go make sajda and enter inside. What did they do? With the house of Allah, with the masjid of Allah, what did they do? They mistreated it. They were rude towards it. They carried out an act of disobedience. They went on their backsides and instead of saying, Hittatun, they changed it. They said, Hintatun, which is a random word. It doesn't mean anything. Just bakwas, basically. This is gibberish. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَنزَلْنَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا رِجْزًا مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ Allah became angry. He revealed his anger from the heavens. Now Allah is reminding them further. وَإِذِ اسْتَسْقَى مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ Remember you guys, you got thirsty, you wanted water, so you said to Musa salam, Musa salam, can you provide us some water? So Musa salam took his stick, he hit it on the rock. فَانْفَجَرَتْ مِنْ هُثْنَةَ عَشْرَةَ عَيْنَةَ Twelve springs came forth. Every tribe knew which one they had to drink from. Carrying on, look what Allah is saying. You know this manna salwa that comes from the heavens? We don't want that. We want to have onions. We want lentils, dal. Uh, we want, you know, the simple things. This is heavenly foods they're saying this about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala This is good stuff. Heavenly food is coming for you. Why do you want the basic things? People are crying that we have to eat dal every day. You're getting royal food coming from the heavens. This is the kind of things they were saying. Because they were so awkward. Because they violated command after command after command, despite Allah giving them so much. Allah says, They returned with the anger of Allah. Allah placed upon them disgrace and humiliation until Qiyamah. By the way, what on ayah 61? Can you see? From 40, there's one topic. Who's it talking about? 
بني إسرائيل إن الذين آمنوا والذين هادوا والنصارى والصابئين من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وعمل صالحا فلهم أجرهم عند ربهم ولا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون دين الله كاريزون وإذ أخذنا ميثاقكم ورفعنا فوقكم الطور There was a time when the Bani Israel they refused and rejected to listen to Allah Allah had to take the Mount Tour and lift you on their heads and they said are you going to believe or not if not I will crush you and they said okay we believe this is the extent of their awkwardness and their disobedience to Allah and even after that Quran says ثم توليتم من بعد ذلك فلولا فضل الله عليكم ورحمته لكنتم من الخاسرين Allah said if it wasn't for Allah's kindness and his rahmah you would have been amongst the losers Allah carries on walaqad alimtum alladhina atadaw minkum you know very well those people who transgressed the limit regarding fishing on a saturday Allah said no go fishing we've already discussed this in detail faqulna lahum kunu qiradatan khasi'in we said you become degraded uh, apes fajalnaha nakalan lima bayna yadayha wa ma khalfaha wa maw'idatan lil muttaqin then immediately after this Allah says وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تَذْبَهُ بَقَرَةِ Story of the cow. Everybody knows the story. We don't need to go into the details. And again, what did they do? They started, what kind of cow should it be? What color should it be? Um, so we know that part. We don't need to go into that one. As soon as that finishes, Allah says فَقُلْنَا دْرِبُوهُ We know we've done this already. ثُمَّ قَسَدْ قُلُوبُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ Allah says, after this, your hearts became so hard. They became like a stone. No, 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 Allah says, not stone. Even harder than a stone. And then Allah says, وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ مِنْهُ الْأَنْهَارِ There are stones in this world that even from those stones, rivers flow. Have you seen? You see spring? Allah is talking about their heart. Your hearts became so hard like stone. Then Allah says, no, 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 no. The example of a stone is too light. Stones are, look hard, but they're not as hard as your hearts. Your hearts are so hard. Stones, sometimes what happens is water gushes from them. وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ مِنْهُ الْأَنْهَارِ وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَشَّقَّهُ فَيَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ الْمَاءِ Sometimes you get a rock and you hit the rock and what happens? Water gushes out, Quran says. And then, وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَحْبِتُ مِنْ خَشْجَةِ اللَّهِ Some rocks are such that they're on the top of a mountain. And you might see, sometimes you're driving on a countryside road, and you might see a sign. And what does it show you? Like rocks falling. Allah is telling us in the Qur'an, these rocks don't fall just like that. Qur'an is saying, وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَحْبِتُ مِنْ خَشْجَةِ اللَّهِ Some of these rocks, they fall out of the fear of Allah, the haybah of Allah. So Allah is saying that when I'm saying your hearts are like rocks and stones, no, 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 no. They are more ashaddu qaswa, harder than a rock. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues in these ayat in regards to the Bani Israel and specifically the Yahud. Going further, وَقَالُوا لَن تَمَسَّنَا النَّارُ إِلَّا أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودًا Ayah number 80. They're saying that, okay, fine, if we go to hell, because we're so special, we're so noble, we're from the special chosen people. We'll only stay in Jahannam for a few days. Few days, that's it. After a few days, we'll be out. Allah is saying, have you made an agreement with Allah that you're only going to go to hell for one week? Has Allah told you this? How can you be so confident and say that we are only going to be in hell for a few days? And the discussion continues. 
in the full kitab. وَلَقَدْ آتِنَا مُوسَى الْكِتَابِ وَقَفَّيْنَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ بِالرُّسُلِ Allah says, we gave Musa alayhi salam the kitab. After Musa, we carried on sending prophets. وَآتِنَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمَ الْبَيِّنَامِ Now, mention of Isa alayhi salam comes. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to say that they killed the prophets disbelieved in the revelation from Allah. And Musa came with guidance despite that they worshipped the calf. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds them again of raising the Mount Tur over them. So Allah is holding up the mountain. Are you going to listen? They said, Sami'na, we listen. But we're going to disobey. Instead of saying, Sami'na wa ata'na. وَأُشْرِبُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْعِجْلَ بِكُفْرِهِمْ They were like, the, 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 the wording of the Qur'an is, they were made to drink the love of worshipping the calf. Because they did the kufr, this was made beloved to them. قُلْ بِئْسَمَا يَأْمُرُكُمْ بِهِ إِيمَانُكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ قُلْ إِن كَانَتْ لَكُمُ الدَّارُ الْآخِرَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَالِسَةً مِنْ دُونِ النَّاسِ فَتَمَنَّوا الْمَوْتَ إِن كُنْتُمْ if you have this kind of belief that Jannah is exclusive for you, you're going to go to Jannah, only you're going to go to Jannah, nobody else is going to go to Jannah, fine. Why don't you make the desire to die? If you're really truthful, just say, we're ready to die now. Allah says they will never desire or wish for death. Why? Because of the bad deeds that they have sent forward. Allah says, you will find the most greedy people in regards to life. These are the people that want to live the most. Quran saying, the desire that they live for a thousand years. Allah is saying, if you live for a thousand years, it's not going to prevent you and stop you from the punishment. Now they used to have an enmity towards Jibreel alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whoever is an enemy of Jibreel, he is the one who comes. So if you're an enemy to Jibreel, you're an enemy to Allah as well. Every time Allah is saying, we made a promise to you, you broke the promise. You went against it. Now is mentioning about what you did with Sulaiman Can you see? It's going kind of in order. From the early days, it's come all the way to Sulaiman now. That regarding Sulaiman the Bani Israel had a belief that Sulaiman engaged in kufr. 
and he died in kufr quran is saying wa ma kafara sulaiman walakinna ash-shayatina kafaru yu'allimuna an-nas as-sihr sulaiman al-islam didn't engage in teaching magic those were the jinn those were the shayateen sulaiman al-islam is a nabi of allah وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ حَتَّى يَقُولَ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٌ فَلَا تَكْفُرُ And it continues. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the current, meaning when the Qur'an was being revealed in Medina Munawwara at the time, there were the Yahud in Medina. They were having similar traits as the ones mentioned in the Qur'an. And what they would do is they would call the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was speaking in a gathering, the people on this side, you know, if there's no mic system, the people on this side, they were finding it hard to hear. So they were saying, Ra'ina, Ra'ina. Be Ra'ina means be considerate towards us, meaning, Hamara bi karo. Look towards us. We are, we, we are also in the gathering. You know, speak this way as well so we can hear you. So instead of saying Ra'ina, they were saying Ra'ina, which means, O our shepherd. So they were using these blasphemous words against the Prophet ﷺ. And the believers are being told, don't use the words that the Bani Israel are using. Their words also contain this kind of disrespect and rudeness. Ya amanu, la ra'ina, wa wasma'u. Instead say unzurna, meaning look towards us. Because there's no ambiguity in there. They're using words like they did when they came to the Prophet wasallam, And what did they say? As-salamu alaykum. Instead of as-salamu alaykum. Sam means death. So apparently it made it look as if they were saying as-salamu alaykum. But in reality what were they saying? They were saying as-salamu alaykum. Similar example here in the Quran. مَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَلَا الْمُشْرِكِينَ أَنْ يُنَزَّلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَاللَّهُ يَخْتَصُّ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ ذُو الْفَضْلِ الْعَظِيمِ We are now on ayah number 106. We're nearly there. Can you see from ayah 40, the topic has been the same. مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ أَوْ نُنْسِهَا نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا أَوْ مِثْلِهَا أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ This ayah is important. Allah says, if we ever abrogate any verse from the Qur'an, there were ayat in the Qur'an which were recited, and today they are no longer recited. Allah chooses. There were ayat in the Qur'an which were recited before. Now they are no longer recited. Allah took them out, right? What well, this is when the Quran was being revealed. There are some ayat in the Quran which are recited but are not practiced upon. So there are different types of abrogation. It's called naskh or nasikh and mansukh. In the Quran, it's called naskh. Over here, it's mentioned. Allah says, "Ma nansakh min ayatin aw nunsiha nati bi khairi minha aw." Whenever Allah says, "If we ever cancel a verse out." That's up to us. Allah says, I can choose when I want. That's because I bring a better verse or a better ruling. If there was a ruling before, it's no longer applicable. Alam ta'lam anna Allah ala kulli shay'in qadir. Alam ta'lam anna Allah lahu mulku samawati wal ard. Wa ma lakum min dunillahi min waliyyim wala nasir. Now I want you to remember this because there was something that happened when they came to Medina Munawwara. And that was that the Qibla was changed. Right? So just remember this. The changing of the Qibla. That's something that happened. And the Yahud were not happy with this. That why did the Qibla change? So we'll come back to that. 
Then Allah is saying, وَدَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ لَوْ يَرُدُّوكُمْ مِّنْ بَعْدِ إِيمَانِكُمْ كُفَّارًا حَسَدًا مِّنْ عِنْدِ أَنفُسِهِمْ مِّنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الْحَقِّ فَاعْفُوا وَصْفَهُ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ Allah is saying that many of the Ahlul Kitab, they want that you return to kufr. After bringing iman, you go to kufr. And this is because they are jealous. This jealousy is burning them that why are you people of Iman? Why have you got this faith? Now, Quran says. The Yahudan and Nasara, they were saying, nobody is going to go to Jannah unless you are Yahudi or Nasrani. The only people who will go to Jannah is Yahudi and Nasrani. Allah said, Tilka amani yuhum. This was their, was their wishful thinking. Allah is saying, قُلْ هَاتُ بُرْحَانَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ If, fine, where's the proof? Where's the proof that Jannah is restricted only for you? بَلَا مَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجْهَهُ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ فَلَهُ أَجْرُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ وَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Allah says, no, no. Whoever is a person that does good for the sake of Allah, who turns to Allah, submits to Allah, Allah's will. What does Allah say? Not what you say. Those are the people who will go to Jannah. Ayah number 113. We're one ayah away now. 113. Up until now, before this he was, no one's going to enter Jannah except who? Yahud and Nasara. Now they're both cancelling each other out. Yahud started to say, Nasara are rubbish. They don't have any religion. They're going to go to hell. Only we're going to go to Jannah. Only Yahud are going to go to Jannah. And the Nasara started saying that the Yahud, they are on total deviation. They're not going to go to Jannah. Only the Nasara will go. They're reading the book. They're reading the same book. Remember, they're reading the same book and they're making judgments on each other. Allah says, the people who say this kind of stuff don't really know what they're talking about. Only people who don't know what they're talking about and what's in their own book make these kind of comments without having any kind of knowledge. Who's going to really decide this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will decide in regards to this on the day of judgment in regards to what you are debating about. Now all of this was why? Because I want to share the next ayah with you. We're on ayah number 114. Now Allah is saying, Allah is saying, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ Meaning, لَا أَحَدًا أَظْلَمُ There is no one more unjust. Meaning, there is no level of injustice greater than this. Meaning, the ultimate injustice in this world, in this world, if you want to know the ultimate injustice, not according to me, According to Allah in the Quran, Allah is saying there is no one in the pl- on planet earth who is a greater zalim, the greatest level of zulm in this world. Ultimate injustice is who? 
Those who prevent the remembrance of Allah taking place in his masjids. Those who stop. Those who thwart the worship of Allah being done in his masjids, number one. And they strive to cause ruin. They wreak havoc in the masjid of Allah. Allah, what does Allah call this? The greatest what? Injustice. You know, we're familiar with dhulm. We're seeing a lot of dhulm happening in Gaza. We're seeing a lot of dhulm happening in many parts of the world. Allah is introducing you to the highest level of dhulm in this world. Allah is saying, Waman adhlamu. Which actually the scholars of the Quran say it means, La ahadan adhlam. There is no one who is more unjust than the person who perpetrates this crime. Somebody who carries out the crime of thwarting the worship of Allah at any masjid. Or they try to cause and wreak havoc in a masjid, bring a masjid into ruin, either physically by damaging it or spiritually by causing chaos in the environment of, of the masjid, in the people of the masjid, in the activities of the masjid. Allah says, Ula'ika ma kana lahum illa khaifin. Such people, they ought to have only entered the masjid in fear, meaning this masjid of Allah is so great, it's so beyond you that you don't even deserve to enter it. And if you did enter it, let alone causing chaos and corruption in there, you should have been entering it with fear. Had you entered in it, you should have entered it being petrified because this masjid is so great. It's the house of Allah. Allah says regarding the consequence of such people and such action, lahum fi dunya khizyun. For them in this worldly life, there's going to be khizyun, disgrace. Walahum fil And in the akhirah, there is going to be a great punishment. MashaAllah, we should celebrate now. Finally, the sound is fixed. Alhamdulillah. So, this is the ayah that we want to discuss. Now, before we go into understanding the ayah further, I'm just going to read a few ayah after. Don't worry, we're not going to go as many as we did before. So this ayah has finished now. Now Allah is saying, can you see what's happened? Up until now was a discussion of Bani Israel. So apparently this ayah seems a little bit um, random, should I say? It's not random, of course. None of the Quran is. But if you followed the context all the way, and now this ayah has appeared about a masjid and causing corruption in the masjid, and the greatest and the ultimate injustice is to prevent worshipping in a masjid and to cause chaos in there. Now Allah is saying, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبُ To Allah belongs the east and the west. Wherever you turn, you're going to find Allah. So the east is Allah's, the west is Allah's. إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَاسِيُونَ عَلِيمٌ وَقَالُوا اتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ وَلَدًا سُبْحَانَهُ And they say, Allah has a son. Glory be to him. The heavens and the earth belongs to Allah. They're all obedient to Him. He doesn't need a son or, 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 or a daughter. 
وإذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وقال الذين لا يعلمون لولا يكلمون الله أو تأتينا آية كذلك قال الذين من قبلهم مثل قولهم تشابهت قلوبهم قد بجلنا الآيات لقوم يقنون إنا أرسلناك بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا ولا تسأل أن أصحاب الجهيم ولن ترضى عنك اليهود ولن نصارى حتى تتبع ملتهم Again, the topic continues. Immediately after that ayah, the topic continues. Allah says, the Yahud and the Nasara will never be pleased with you. They will never be satisfied with you until you become just like them, until you follow their creed and their religion. And we can continue. Again, Allah carried. Ya Bani Israel, And it continues until then on ayah 124. Now it's changed. And Allah is speaking about Ibrahim, السلام, then he speaks about the Kaaba, etc. I wanted to give you the context. The Siyaq and the Sabaq, that's what it's called. What are the ayat which come before? What are the ayat which come afterwards? Now, once we've been through that, let's understand that this ayah of the Quran says, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّا مَنَعَ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ There is no one who is more unjust than those who prevent Allah's worship happening in his masjid. The question is, which masjid is it referring to? This is the question. Which masjid is this ayah referring to? Overall, amongst the scholars of tafsir, generally, there are three opinions in regards to which masjid this is referring to. I'm going to share all of them with you. Number one, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, a great scholar of tafsir. Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, he says, this ayah was revealed regarding Baytul Maqdis Masjidul Aqsa. Allah is speaking about which masjid? Baytul Maqdis Masjidul Aqsa. Directly, exclusively, and generally all masjids. Generally, it will mean all masjids. Because when Quran comes for an exclusive purpose, we take the general meaning to mean all. But exclusively. Why was it revealed? Ibn Jarir al-Tabari. He says that this is referring to Masjid al-Aqsa. Masjid al Maqdis. So what do we understand? We understand that there's something must have happened. He gives an example. He says, Nabuchad Nazar. Nabuchad Nazar, in our books of tafsir, his name is Bukhtanassar, was a Babylonian king from Iraq. He came, and what did he do? He totally destroyed Jerusalem. He destroyed Baytul Maqdis Masjid al-Aqsa. And the Israelites that were living there, he took them as captives, and he took them back to Babylon. And kept them in captivity for so many years. So that is a very well-known documented incident. Quran makes reference to this in Surah Al-Isra as well. So Bani Israel, they were subject to this. Nabuchad Nazar came and he totally destroyed Masjid Al-Aqsa, Baytul Maqdis altogether. So Ibn Jarir Al-Tabari says that in this ayah of the Quran, the reference is to which masjid? Masjid al-Aqsa. Now, Allah is calling this what? The greatest dhulm that can happen on earth is to cause, to prevent worship at Masjid al-Aqsa 
and to cause chaos inside Masjid Al-Aqsa. He also goes on to say that another example we can give of this is when the emperor of Rome, Titus, Roman emperor, you've heard of Titus before in history, you will hear, he also came and he also desecrated Masjid Al-Aqsa and Jerusalem and totally annihilated and destroyed it. And some Christians, Titus was, he was a pagan. So was Nazar was an idol worshipper. He wasn't Christian. There was no Christianity at that time. Some of the scholars of Tafsir have mentioned that Nazar was assisted by Christians. This can't be possible because Christianity came about 670 years later. According, I did some calculations earlier. And Christianity came along, because I read this and I thought, hang on a second, that doesn't make sense. How can the Christians have assisted Nazar? So where the Christians assisted would have been Titus, the Roman emperor. So there were Christians who took part in the destruction of Jerusalem, despite Jerusalem being holy for the Christians. Why? They did it out of the hatred of the Yahud. Out of the hatred of the Yahud, because they killed Yahya alayhi salam. So out of the hatred of the Yahud, some of the Christians took part in the violation and the destruction of Masjid al-Aqsa. So they are being addressed over here that the Christians later on felt ashamed that our ancestors are people who destroyed Baytul Maqdis, Jerusalem. So basically based on this, also the scholars mention that during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, would be around the time these ayat were revealed, we know that around that time or even after that, Christians when they were in Jerusalem, they would throw their rubbish and their garbage inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Despite Baytul Maqdis being a place of holiness for them, we know that this desecration was done by them, preventing anyone from worshipping them. So this is the first opinion by who? Ibn Jarir Al-Tabari, a very great, uh, famous scholar of tafsir, a classical scholar of tafsir, who says that this ayah is referring to, number one, who? Which masjid? Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, Baytul Maqdis. The second opinion regarding this, and again, he says, look at the ayat which are being discussed. This is why I went through the ayat. What was the ayat? All about who? Bani Israel. Afterwards about who? Bani Israel. So it's referring to an incident in relation to them. So it must be Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Number two, the second opinion, this is Hafiz Ibn Kathir, rahmatullah also mentions that opinion then he goes mentions a second opinion and he says, I favor the second opinion. What does he say? He says this is referring to Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Makkah Al-Mukarramah. This ayah is referring to Al-Masjid Al-Haram. When we say it's referring to Masjid Al-Haram, it means primarily Masjid Al-Haram and on a secondary, all masjids. First opinion is it's referring to Masjid Al-Aqsa and then all masjids. So Ibn Kathir is saying no. Primarily, it came regarding Al-Masjid Al-Haram. What happened at Masjid Al-Haram? When the Muslims were coming from Medina Munawwara, they tied their ihram and they came to Hudaybiyyah. What happened? Were they allowed to go to Masjid Al-Haram? Quran is saying, Now the scholars of tafsir have a little bit of a debate here. Is because they don't say, well, well they say, well, the Quraysh are mushrikeen. Okay, they prevented them coming from the, to the masjid, fine. But they didn't destroy it because they honored the Kaaba. They actually built the Kaaba. 
So these kind of discussions are there, but they're saying no. Well, although they didn't destroy physically, but spiritually, the destruction isn't just of uh, the physical structure; it's of the spiritual nature of the masjid was destroyed without allowing any type of uh, ibadah in there. So this is an opinion which is a famous opinion. Many scholars are of this opinion, and they say that this ayah is regarding. Uh, Masjid Al-Haram, and there are some hadith to support this as well. Very interestingly, Imam Razi Rahmatullah mentions a third opinion. In his book, uh, Tafsir Al-Kabir, he mentions four opinions. The two I've mentioned, he mentions them in four. So the first one would be uh, Nabuchad Nazar, Bukhti Nasr. Second one would be uh, Titus. And then the third would be Masjid Al-Haram, uh, Hudaybiyyah, and then another one related to Masjid al-Haram. And then he goes, but I've got a fifth opinion, and I prefer that one. And again, this has been mentioned by some other scholars as well. And he says that this ayah is referring to Masjid al-Nabawi. Masjid al-Nabawi. Subhanallah, we've got all three masjids mentioned in this ayah. And these are reliable scholars. Hadha Tanmi Rahmatullah in his Bayanul Quran, he actually brings all these three together. And he says very beautifully that this ayah includes again, just like we have in Subhanallah Asra bi Abdihi Laylam min al Masjid al Haram al Masjid al Aqsa, there's a reference to all three masjids. Masjid al Haram by name, Masjid al Aqsa by name, and when Allah says Aqsa furthest, furthest from what? Furthest from the three. You can't have furthest if there's only one other place mentioned. Well, if I say furthest from, if it's only Masjid al-Haram, I wouldn't say furthest. Yes, there has to be another one. So from these three, this one is the furthest. Al-Aqsa. So Masjid al-Nabawi is mentioned in this ayah without mentioning the name. So similarly, when Allah says, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّا مَنَعَ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ we find the Mufassireen, number one, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Number two opinion, Al-Masjid Al-Haram. Number three. So how is it Masjid Al-Nabawi? Let me tell you. What happened, remember I told you to take note of something when we were reading the ayat before we got to 114. What did we say? What was the ayah? مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ أَوْ نُنْسِهَا نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِثْلَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whenever we cancel out, abrogate a verse, there's a reason for it. We bring a better verse. And then immediately Allah then mentions, very soon after that, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّا مَنَا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ أَنْ يُذْكَرَ فِي حَسْمُهُ وَسَعَ فِي خَرَابِهَا And then what came after it? وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِكِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّوا To Allah belongs the east, to Allah belongs the west. It doesn't matter which way you face. It's not about, Allah doesn't have a direction. So what Imam Razi says, is when the command came, the Prophet ﷺ in Makkatul Mukarramah for 13 years, he prayed salah facing towards Masjid Al-Aqsa and he tried to keep the Kaaba in front of him when he could. When he came to Medina Munawwara, the Qibla was what? Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa for 16 or 17 months. The Prophet ﷺ, he wanted to face towards the Qibla and the Kaaba of Ibrahim ﷺ. And this is why he kept looking up to the heavens. And then eventually Allah subhanahu wa and the Yahud were very happy. The Yahud of Medina was so happy that look, they're facing towards our Qibla. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the command to change the direction from 
facing towards Masjidul Aqsa, now facing towards the Kaaba, the Yahud found this very difficult. And they became deranged. And they started saying all sorts of things. So they started planting doubts in the minds of the Muslims and whispering in their ears that how can you change? What about the salah you prayed before? Is that not accepted? Is this, this can't be right. How can you change like this? How can you do this? The idea is by causing these kind of whispers and doubts, it would make you not want to face the Qibla. As a result of which what would happen? You would abandon salah. So what would happen to Masjid al-Nabawi? Who's going to pray there? Imam Razi is saying that this ayah is referring to this. Look, before Allah says that if we cancel a verse, it's for a good reason. And then after the verse, Allah is saying, to the, Allah belongs the east, to Allah belongs the west. What, what do you mean you have to face towards Masjid al-Aqsa? It's not about Masjid al-Aqsa, it's not about the Kaaba as well. Because Allah is not there. Allah doesn't have direction. Allah is free from direction. Wherever you face, you are facing towards Allah because Allah doesn't have direction. So at the end of the day, because you're a human being and you have direction to make it easy for you to focus, Allah has said to you, up until now, He said to you, face Masjidul Aqsa. So you weren't really facing Masjidul Aqsa. You are facing the command of Allah. That's what you are facing. The same Allah is now saying to you, stop facing Masjidul Aqsa, face towards the Kaaba. So you will face towards the Kaaba. You will not fight about it. And Allah is addressing them by saying, So Imam Razi Rahmatullah is saying that because until now the discussion was of the Yahud, and then the ayah of Mansukh, and immediately after the ayat of Qibla is mentioned, the east and the west, he says which masjid is being referred to here? Masjid al-Nabawi. So very beautifully you can see, when we put together the opinions of the scholars, all three masjids are mentioned. Now, of course, primarily it would mean that masjid and generally it would mean all of the masjids. And other than that, regardless of which opinion we take, every single masjid belongs to Allah. Quran says, So, anyone who carries out these actions... Against any masjid. And you don't have to be from the Yahud or the Nasara. You could be a Muslim, right? Because there are, sadly there are many Muslim countries that are banning ibadah in the masjid, halaqatul ilm and dhikr in the masjid, ulama from addressing certain issues in the masjid. They fall under this category. They will fall under this category. Closing the masjid, okay? Restricting the people from coming to the masjid. This falls under this category as well. It's very serious. It's called the ultimate injustice, Allah is calling. There is the highest level of dhulm is to prevent people from the house of Allah and to prevent the worship of Allah from taking place in the house. Now, in the house, Allah's masjid. Now, one of the scholars of Quran has said, He is saying, if the ultimate level of injustice is to prevent Allah's worship from happening at a masjid, He says, if the ultimate injustice is to prevent Allah's worship in the masjid, he says then the ultimate level of faith and iman would be to frequent the masjid. 
this is a very important point and lesson we learn. If the highest level of injustice and dhulm is to prevent Allah's worship in a masjid and to cause chaos in a masjid, then the highest form of expressing your iman in this world would be to preserve the masajid, to honor the masajid, to frequent the masajid, to raise the masajid, to help and support the masajid. And again, this would be all masajid, depending on which tafsir you take. And again, our topic of discussion is specifically al-masjid al-aqsa, because I don't know any other masjid that faces so much trouble, uh, so many provocations than that particular masjid. And like Allah says in the Quran, إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرَةِ Allah says in the Quran, now only those people frequent the house, the masjid of Allah, who believe in Allah and the last day. So iman, iman. So just like that is the greatest level of dhulm, this is the highest level of iman to support and to frequent the masjid. Now, the masjid is a place of iman. Iman is what? Iman is nur. Look what Allah says in the Quran. Allah nuru samawati wal ard. Allah says, after this, in this ayat of Noor, in Surah Noor, Allah talks about Noor. The manifestation of Allah's Noor on earth is where? Is the masjid. And Allah speaks about it at the end of this ayah. Allah says, Allah says, There are certain houses. He's not talking about people's houses, He's talking about the masajid. There are certain houses in which the name of Allah is mentioned. And Allah is remembered morning and night. And the scholars of tafsir are looking at the tafsir of this ayah because it's, it's interesting because there are only two masjids mentioned by name in the Quran. Al-Masjid al-Haram, Al-Masjid al-Aqsa. Over here we look at this ayah. The most common and famous tafsir also say masjid here refers to either Masjid al-Aqsa or Al-Masjid al-Haram. When we come to this particular ayah over here, Allah speaks about masjids, that his name is mentioned. When we look at the tafsir of this, the ulama mentioned there is a hadith that he say, that says that this is referring primarily, it means all masjids, but primarily it's referring to four masjids built by prophets. Number one, Al-Kaaba, Masjid Al-Haram. Number two, Masjid Ubaytul Maqdis, meaning Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is built by prophets, isn't it? From the beginning, Adam salam to all the way till the end. And number three, Masjid Al-Nabawi, built by Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And number four, hmm? no, built by prophets, four masjids built by prophets. 
Masjid Quba, mashallah. Masjid Quba, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam first masjid. And uh, not only is it built by a prophet, it's built on taqwa. Quran says, "La masjidun ussisa ala taqwa min awwal yawmin ahqo an taqoma fi." So this is a very special and a noble rank given to Masjid Quba. So this is the first opinion um, that it's referring to mainly the four masjids built by prophets, and of course it means generally all masjids. Second opinion, Hassan al-Basri rahmatullahi says, this ayah is also referring to Masjid Ubayt al-Maqdis. And he says, from his time, that in Masjid al-Aqsa, there would be 10,000 candles lit up. Allahu nuru samawati wal-ard. He's giving an example of the nur. And he says that I, fi buyutin adina Allahu an turfa'a. He says he's referring to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And the third opinion is, of course, it's referring to any masjid. It's not just a specific masjid. Now, let's come to our topic of discussion. We were discussing specifically the ultimate injustice, the thwarting of worship at Masjid Al-Aqsa and wreaking havoc in Masjid Al-Aqsa. To understand this, the violations against Masjid al-Aqsa have been taking place non-stop since June 1967. Basically, in June 1967, Masjid al-Aqsa came under Israeli occupation. Since then, this masjid is fully controlled by the Israeli occupation. Fully controlled. What does that mean? They decide who goes in, they decide who come, goes out. They decide what worship takes place. They decide what worship doesn't take place. They decide what activities happen in there. They decide what activities doesn't happen in there. And they prevent many times. This is, We know about the regular attacks that happen at Masjid Al-Aqsa. You've seen in Ramadan what happens. A couple of Ramadans ago you've been seeing what happens. People are praying, they are prevented from praying, and there's wreaking of havoc. You've seen it again and again through the incursions. You've seen it from the time of their capturing of the Musalla, or the, uh, the Babul Maghariba, the Moroccan quarter. And then after that, you've seen when Ariel Sharon came and it led to the Intifada. All of these things from then till more recent events till now, this all falls under the category of what the Quran is calling out. The Quran is calling out and is waking us up to understand and realize that this is like you understand there is dhulm happening all over the world. That dhulm we accept it and we don't want it to happen and we pray for the mazlumin. We do and we feel for them and we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes to their aid and their victory. However, Allah is telling you and me that there is another dhulm which is considered the greatest dhulm. Waman adlam. There is no Allah is saying, La adlam ahadan. There is no greater dhulm than this. The ultimate injustice is anyone preventing worship taking place at Al Masjid Al Aqsa, wreaking havoc at Masjid Al Aqsa. In 2002, a new manner of preventing worship and wreaking havoc in Masjid Al Aqsa is when they initiated Zionist secular incursions into Masjid Al Aqsa. Prior to this, there were no Zionist settler incursions. People who wanted to come to Masjid Al-Aqsa to visit as tourists, they would get a ticket and they were allowed to come in. 
They would look around and they would leave. There was an etiquette they had to follow, a dress that they had to wear, like anybody does when you go to a place of worship to visit. However, in 2002, the Zionist occupation, they agreed because the settler movement, the Temple Mount movement, was so active in getting seats in the Knesset, they managed to overpower Israeli policy and managed to overcome this prohibition, which is a prohibition in Jewish law, that according to Jewish law, they cannot step onto Temple Mount. So these people, this is a fringe movement, an ultra-Zionist right-wing movement, who have moved away from the teachings of Judaism. And they have said, no, under any cost, we're going to go in there. We want to go in there. So they forced Israeli policy to change and said, we're going to go in there against international law, a violation of the status quo, violation of Jewish law. And what happens is, in 2002, 2003, they managed to secure a time every day in the morning, 7.30 to 10.30. And they start going inside. Now, of course, when they're going to go in, what happens? The Palestinians are not going to stand for it. How do? This has never happened ever in history that inside a masjid, you're having these kind of incursions taking place not to visit. When is, when is somebody comes to visit? Our masjids are always open to visitors. They're not coming to visit. This is a provocative incursion to carry out Talmudic rituals, to do everything that happens in a synagogue, treating the place like a synagogue, dressing with the uh, Talmudic rituals and wearing religious garb that you would wear on a religious occasion when carrying out religious activities. So they knew. So this is why Muslims, when this would happen, it would infuriate them. They would become enraged. Imagine some other people of another religion started coming and worshipping here. right? You wouldn't stand for it. You wouldn't just stick back. So now what happens is they got full support from the government and the Israeli military and police. So these groups started coming in, fully protected, and you will have seen the videos, fully protected. And this, by the way, this happens every single day. Every single day it's happening. Like the Quran is telling us, Woman أَظْلَمُ مِمَّا مَنَعَ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ أَنْ يُذْكَرَ فِي أَسْمُهُ وَسَعَى فِي خَرَابِهَا I don't know of any other, uh, any masjid. I know physically masjids have been destroyed. Like in Gaza alone now. How many? Maybe up to a thousand masjids have been destroyed. Right? Physical destruction has been happening throughout the world. Right? We know that. We know what happened with the Babri Masjid as well. A massive case and a massive issue. We, we make, the Allah makes it easy for the people of India. All of these masjids are linked. They're all linked together. But if we cannot stand up and protect the greatest masjids of Allah, right? what's going to happen? They will carry on with all of the masjids in the world. So this is something we must realize and understand. Then what happened was this movement became stronger and stronger. Because they have the support of the government, they have the support of the military, in front of them, behind them. Before they even come into Masjid Al-Aqsa, the military, they all come in, they check everything, making sure no one's going to cause any disruption to them, so they can carry out their incursion in peace. And then they started extending their time, from 7.30 to 9 o'clock, to 10, to 11, to 11.30. This happened for some time. And then they said, this is not enough, we want an afternoon slot as well. And then they got the afternoon slot. And again, that started becoming prolonged. So now they have 7.30 to 11.30 and 1.30 to 2.30, depending on the, on, on, the, on the time of the year. 
Last week or the week before, when we were inside Masjid Al-Aqsa, we saw the incursion starting at 7 a.m. Before the official time. So this is only expanding. They're taking advantage now because there's less people there. Taking advantage of this time period. So this is something that's happening. And for Palestinians, what's happening? Quran is saying, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمْ مِمَّا مَنَعَ Preventing people from entering. Many Palestinians, when they want to access Masjid Al-Aqsa. Now the thing is, you go as a British citizen with your British passport, you're fine. You'll be able to go in, you'll be able to come out. You won't have any issues, inshallah. You, you'll be able to go. But for Palestinians, it's very difficult. Palestinians go there, and many a times they're subject to humiliating body searches. Imagine that. Every time you want to enter the one of Allah's holiest masjids on planet earth, and you're being forced to stand at a wall like this, and they're doing this body search, humiliating body search. Children are going there because they have their school inside Masjid Al-Aqsa, their rucksack backpack is emptied out, and their pockets checked. Everything is checked and, and, and searched. Many youth and adults, every single time they go to Masjid Al-Aqsa, they are stopped at the gates. They are asked a whole list of questions, and then they have to hand in their ID card. In return for the ID card, they get given a ticket. And that is basically holding them at ransom. Like, whilst you're in that masjid, if you do anything that doesn't please us, you're engaging any activity that goes against what we want, then you're not getting this back. You don't have your ID card, meaning you can't work, you can't get access to healthcare, your children can't access to any education, and you're basically a nobody. You don't exist. You have to leave the city of Jerusalem. You can't live there anymore because you need an ID card. You need, like, that's who you are. So this happens, imagine that. I, and, and most of us don't actually know that this is happening. This is dhulm. This is a highest level of injustice. Preventing people from going inside and they are being uh, banned. Many, there are many Palestinians who are banned from going in Masjid al-Aqsa altogether. Let alone getting a ticket. There are many, they call the Mub'adeen, they are banned, six-month ban, two-month ban, three-month ban. And many a times what happens, somebody gets a ban for six months. Six months are over, they'll come inside, pray inside Masjid Al-Aqsa. As they are leaving Masjid Al-Aqsa, they will arrest them, take them to the police station, tell them you've got a hearing tomorrow. They'll go for the hearing and they'll get given another six-month ban. What have they done? Absolutely nothing. And this is, there are numerous people. Also disturbing the peace of Masjid Al-Aqsa by these uh, intrusions. Another thing that is, fi kharabiha. Allah says, wreaking havoc in the masjid. How is havoc being wreaked inside Masjid Al-Aqsa? There is something called At-Taqseemu Zamani Wal-Makani. The Israeli occupation have a plan to divide Masjid Al-Aqsa by time and by space. By time they've already done it. Can you see? Yeah, because during that, they want to have only time for the Yahud, only. So during that time when the incursions are happening, they don't allow Palestinians to enter, youth especially. Palestinian youth, they will not let them go in at that time. So they, they'll stop them because the incursion happens after Fajr. If they try to enter for Fajr, they'll stop them already before Fajr. Or if they're inside for Fajr, they'll take them out, they'll drag them out. 
because to facilitate what the incursion that's happening by who not even muslims by the yahud into masjidul aqsa so this is dividing masjidul aqsa by time this is wreaking havoc it's being done now the greatest level of injustice and number two dividing masjidul aqsa by space masjidul aqsa is 144,000 square meters of land imagine this whole table is masjidul aqsa okay in the center we have the dome of the rock here we have the qibli musalla where the imam stands and leads the salah right most people enter Masjid Al-Aqsa from the western wall, which is where I'm sitting, for example, here. Or from the northern wall here. So they come in from there, or they come in from here. And they go and pray over here. The stuff's happened there. Now, this eastern side, they want to take over this whole side. This whole side has been left in a derelict state. There is a lot of rubble there, a lot of rocks there, a lot of rubbish there. They don't allow them to clean or organize that area. The incursions come from this side. Babul Magariba is here. They enter from here. They go all the way across and they carry out all of their rituals here. Yesterday a marriage took place. A Talmudic Yahudi marriage was celebrated inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. They are celebrating Bar Mitzvah inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Courses are being delivered on Talmudic uh, teachings inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. People are being celebrated and the soldiers that are dying in Gaza, they are praying for them inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. This is happening every single day. Every single day. Besides Friday and Saturday because these are holy days. But other than that, this is happening. Dividing Masjid Al-Aqsa by time and space. Preventing maintenance. Essential maintenance work. Anybody who's been to Masjid Al-Aqsa, you will know that there's a lot of maintenance required. Um, because it's, an, it's a very old place. They do not allow. If anyone tries to carry out any work, they'll be arrested immediately. To get a permit to carry out simple work of fixing a slab in Masjid Al-Aqsa, this is a whole mission in itself. Has to go through so many stages. So then what happens is a lot of work just gets left. It doesn't get done. Because if you do it, you'll get arrested. If you don't do it, then what would happen? And there's a whole process to go through. So this is again causing havoc. kharabiha, So that it becomes a ruin. It just becomes you know, in, in a pitiful state. In Ramadan, in the previous years this has happened. Whilst Tarawih is going on, disabling the speakers, switching them off. So the people praying cannot hear. In Musalla Babur Rahmah, for those of you who are aware, there is a Musalla inside Masjid Al-Aqsa called Musalla Babur Rahmah. They managed to keep these closed for 16 years. They didn't want anyone going there. Because the plan is to build a synagogue in that area. Inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. February 2019, Alhamdulillah, Muslims managed to successfully open that place. And since then it's been open. They've appointed an imam to lead salah there as well. Regularly, the Zionist occupation go in there and they disconnect the electricity. They, they cut off the pipes for the wudu facilities. They steal the funds. They take away the, the separation barriers between the men and the women. They take away the Quran shells and the Qurans. Once again, the Palestinians will come, they'll replace it, they keep taking it. So this is a constant way of causing havoc at Masjid Al-Aqsa. Again, this is happening on a regular basis. Also, there is fear that this Ramadan, there are maybe plans to disable speakers as well. 
so that Muslims cannot really hear the salah, so you know they wouldn't spread out so far. They'd all be in one air, small area. A few people get together and pray. They don't want to. They want to try and make it into a local masjid. That just people, all people who live there, go and pray there. Otherwise, everybody else should pray in their own places. Don't travel. This goes against Islamic teachings. La rihal illa ila masajid. The Quran, the Hadith, stresses and emphasizes a special journey should be taken from wherever you are in the world to three masjids: Masjidul Haram, Masjidul Nabawi, and Masjidul Aqsa. But they don't want people to go there. Similarly, after Salatul Isha, Masjidul Aqsa closes almost thirty minutes after Salatul Isha. It's closed. And then he only opens just slightly before Fajr. Again, this is not because of the Awqaf or the Palestinians or the Jordanian wealth. This is because the timing is given by the Israeli occupation. That they want to open at a certain time, close at a certain time. Now, also Atikaf. Atikaf is a sunnah. In Ramadan, Muslims want to perform Atikaf in Ramadan. We know there's Atikaf in the last 10 days. But they want to do etikaf from the first of Ramadan. Why not? It's a masjid. No, they have not been allowing it. They've been kicking people out, harming people from performing etikaf in Masjid Al-Aqsa. Last 10 days, yes, we've seen. But we've also seen in the last few years, in Ramadan so far, Ramadans would pass peacefully. However, if in Ramadan there is a festival of the Yahud that coincides with Ramadan... We've already seen in the past years. A few years ago, 28th of Ramadan, you saw what happened. Because it was coinciding with one of the festivals. And they wanted to carry out an incursion. In order to do that, they had a plan of entering 2,000 Zionist settlers into Masjid Al-Aqsa. What they did the night before started attacking. And they attacked many, many people. Everybody's familiar with it. What happened a few years ago. And they attacked and attacked and attacked. But Muslims stayed very, very firm on that day. They stayed very, very firm. They did not give in. And as a result of which, alhamdulillah, not even one settler managed to enter into Masjid Al-Aqsa that year. Which shows us that there is a role for Muslims to play. We're not calling for violence. We're not saying uh, we should fight back or anything. All we're saying is stand your ground. Honor your masjid. Frequent it. Be there. If Palestinians can't be there, you should be there. If Palestinians are being prevented from accessing it, then why aren't you there? Why aren't you making an effort to go? You're going to Masjid al-Haram and you're making sure 24-7 Muslims from the whole world are present there. You're going to Masjid al-Nabawi, Muslims from the whole world are present there. Why is it when it comes to Masjid al-Aqsa, we've left it to the Palestinians who are going through so much difficulty? They're not being allowed to enter. Not just men, even women. You know, now when we were there, I remember, I can't remember which salah it was. I got there and there was a whole queue. I've never seen that before. There was a massive queue. And it was all just women. Like, what are women going to do in there? Like, why? Why are they harassing the women? These are all Palestinian women. One by one, they were checking their bags, checking their, you know, courier bags, checking their children's bags and whatnot. I'm not talking about our women that go from here. You know, they were given a free pass to enter. I'm talking about Palestinian women. And... They were just be, being given a really hard time just for going inside and praying at Masjid Al-Aqsa. Now you know naturally as a human being, once you keep getting this humiliating treatment, a time comes that you think like, I can't be bothered going now kind of thing. If you're going to have that every single day. 
And what the purpose of it is to just make it so difficult that people end up giving up. And this is why for this coming Ramadan, this coming Ramadan, we need to make special dua and a special concern. And why today's program is very important is because the plan that they have proposed, and I pray Allah makes it fail, and Allah doesn't make it happen, but it's very, very worrying. The plan that they have proposed is no Palestinians from the West Bank should be allowed to enter Masjid Al-Aqsa. So that's like most Palestinians. And then even the ones who are in Jerusalem, only under the age of 10 and over the age of 60. That leaves you with children and elders. Now that granddads are not going to bring little kids. It's the parents, the mums and dads. So no children. You're going to have only people over the age of 60. Now, if you limit that only to the people in Jerusalem, what's going to happen? It's going to be empty. Ramadan, Ramadan is it's, it's, it's a time of glory. It's a time when people get together. Ramadan in Masjid Al-Aqsa is very unique, it's very special. And if this, uh, if, if this passes, and not just in Masjid, you know, in any Masjid in the world, Ramadan is a very special time for a Masjid and the community and the people. So this is what is planned now. I'm going to speak about a couple more things. The second thing I'm going to look at is how the war in Gaza contributes and consists of wreaking havoc at Masjid Al-Aqsa. What's the connection there? Has it got anything to do with it? Because everybody seems to understand what's happening in Gaza isn't right and it shouldn't happen. And we've all tried to play our part, whether it be going to a march or a protest or writing to our MP or boycotting certain products. Everyone's kind of, alhamdulillah, doing something and it's making a difference, isn't it? Alhamdulillah, what you're doing is making a difference. And there's another march planned in Birmingham this Saturday, isn't it? Starting at Spark Hill Park. What time does it start? 12. So again, try and plan for that. Weather's getting a little bit better as well. So, you know, carry on. Don't stop what you're doing there. But we have to understand that what's happening in Gaza, what's it connected to? The cornerstone of everything that's happening there is Masjid Al-Aqsa. Not just what's happening now in Gaza. You go back in history, all of the major events that have taken place in Palestine, all of them are based around Masjid Al-Aqsa. You will find that. So, uh, let me give you a few examples. Soldiers in Gaza, there are Israeli soldiers, IDF soldiers in Gaza, they have demolished and bombed homes and places, and then they have written on the graffiti, they have written on the Min dimari Gaza nabni haykaluna. From the ruins of Gaza will begin the beginning of building of our temple. Can you see? They believe this. They believe in order for them to build their temple, alleged temple, they must destroy Gaza. This is a strong connection. If you don't see it, then you know, they are saying it themselves. We're finding many, many examples of the idea of soldiers after destroying and ruining the homes... They are doing graffiti and drawings of the alleged temple on the walls of Palestinian homes. You will have seen the images. That after they've taken over a whole area, they're going there with the cans and they are drawing the alleged temple on the walls and the homes. Again, 
they've made it very clear that as long as support for Masjid Al-Aqsa remains in Gaza, we cannot fulfill our mission of the temple. They are saying, the soldiers that are fighting there, they are saying this, that as long, because they're going into Palestinian homes, obviously all the people are killed, they're dead, they're under the rubble. But they're finding that almost in every home, there's a picture of the Dome of the Rock. Or they're finding a picture of Musalla Qibli. Or they're finding a picture of the entire Masjid Al-Aqsa. And they're going and smashing these pictures. Because they're finding that no matter what we are doing, these people, even though they are dead, they are carrying in their hearts the love of Masjid Al-Aqsa. And they're saying that until we don't destroy all of this, our dream of the alleged temple is not going to become a reality. There are images surfacing from the beach of Gaza and they are going, the IDF are going in their tanks and they're saying, soon we will be on Temple Mount. Meaning, we're raising this to the ground. Why? Because we want to build our alleged temple. The slain soldiers, those soldiers from the IDF that have lost their lives, they are commemorated daily. Where? At Masjid Al-Aqsa. So those in uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa around that area, they're doing the incursion and they're doing it in the name of so-and-so soldier who gave his life killing Palestinians in Gaza. Let's go and commemorate him and remember him where? Inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And daily they are going in Masjid Al-Aqsa praying for the victory of the idea of soldiers to be successful in their mission of massacre and genocide. There's been calls since December by the secular organizations to dismantle the awqaf of Masjid al-Aqsa. Now, the awqaf is the administration appointed by Jordan, the Hashemite kingdom. They have appointed an uh, awqaf. This is a group of people, Islamic affairs. They manage the affairs of Masjid al-Aqsa. They have been called since December, obviously since the event of the war that's been happening, and there are increasing calls from this particular Temple Mount group that these, this organization should be dismantled. And the, or the custodianship of Masjid al-Aqsa should go fully to the control of the Yahud, meaning Muslims should not have anything to do with it whatsoever. Just a few days ago, there was a lunatic rabbi. He was inside Masjid al-Aqsa. He's taken a, a video. Some of you may have seen it. It's on, uh, I think, the Middle East Monitor. This rabbi, he is there and he's saying, that our soldiers, he's in Masjid al-Aqsa doing this video. A few days ago, he does this video and he says, our, our soldiers are fighting in Gaza for the sake of the temple. The reason they are there is to build a temple here. He says, when Gaza falls, salvation comes, the temple will be constructed. These are his words from just a few days ago, standing inside al-Masjid al-Aqsa. And of course, I've already spoke to you about past Ramadans, and I've told you about what their plan is for the coming Ramadan. So this ayah of the Quran is very, very relevant today. There is no greater injustice than preventing and thwarting worship at Masjid al-Aqsa and causing chaos and ruin at Masjid al-Aqsa. You know, when the incursions happen, this is again destroying the spiritual environment of Masjid al-Aqsa. This comes in wasa'afi kharabiha, causing ruin, wreaking havoc. Do you know when they do these incursions? 
One is if they, you know, like you think they would just come in and do their thing. No, it doesn't work like that. When they come in, we can have a discussion about the things that they wear. Like you could go in in your normal clothing. But intentionally provocative clothing is worn whilst in Masjidul Aqsa. Number one, many a times when they enter Masjidul Aqsa carrying out these incursions, they're wearing the talit. Talit is a shawl. And this is specifically worn at the time of a specific worship. Now, this is a masjid. Is al Masjidul Aqsa. Can you see the word masjid is being mentioned again and again? Allah calls it al Masjidul Aqsa. Again, over here, woman Masajid Allah. The Prophet called it Masjidul Aqsa or Masjidu Baytil Maqdis. We must ensure that we revive and continue using the name Al Masjidul Aqsa. We don't say Al Haram, do we? For Makkah. We don't say Al Nabawi, do we? For Medina. We say Masjidul Haram. We say Masjidul Nabawi. Here, don't just say Al Aqsa. Many people just say Al Aqsa. No, Masjidul Aqsa. They don't want you to call it a masjid. They want to try and take away the status of masjid. And they want it to be their place. So this is why. Why would you wear a religious shawl inside a masjid? Because they want to show that this is our religious place. No, no, no. This is al-masjidul aqsa. This is a violation. is a provocation. If somebody enters, normally for visiting, it's fine. But if you're going to enter with wearing something which you wear at the time of carrying out a Talmudic worship. That's not acceptable. And that's what's being done. Number two, many people are entering Masjidul Aqsa in the IDF uniform. The uniform with which they go and kill Palestinian brothers and sisters and children. Entering in the IDF soldier uniform into Masjidul Aqsa. Again, this is happening almost every other day. You will see either soldiers themselves or people wearing the IDF uniform coming inside Al-Masjidul Aqsa. Number three, there are people entering wearing the Israeli flag badge. Palestinian flag isn't allowed. You're not allowed to wear a Palestinian flag. You can't raise a Palestinian flag in Palestine. You'd get arrested, you'd get imprisoned, you'd get a fine. It's not allowed. But these incursions are happening. This is wasa'afi kharabiha. Similarly, there are people going in there. Yehuda Glick the other day went in wearing a t-shirt on the top. On there it said that the Israeli nation is alive. This is provocative. What are you trying to say? On one side they say death to the Arabs. And here the t-shirt is saying the Israeli nation is alive. Number five. Many people have been seen going inside Al-Masjidul Aqsa, carrying out the incursions, and they are wearing badges, and it's got an image of the alleged temple. So it's got a, a picture of the temple on there. Again, they're very, very clear in why they are doing these incursions. Recently, there were two people who went inside carrying out an incursion. At the back of their t-shirt, there was a massive uh, inscription. It said, whoever controls the temple controls the world. Whoever controls the temple controls the world. A soldier went in and he has written over here, he is the king and I am his soldier. Similarly, recently there were people who went in wearing a t-shirt. At the back, it had pictures of Israeli Zionist settlements in Gaza. Like Gaza, while it is being destroyed and annihilated, they're making these plans that we're going to create settlements there by the beach and we're going to take over that as well. And we're going to live there. So, in conclusion, 
It's our foremost duty. It's our obligation. It's our responsibility to safeguard, to protect, to defend, and to frequent Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And every other masjid. But this masjid is under great threat. The sanctity of Masjid Al-Aqsa is being violated every single day. And I have not even started. What I've told you is the tip of the iceberg. This is just the beginning. There has been so much happening and continues to happen with one of the greatest symbols of Allah on earth. Yet, the, the, the apathy from the Muslim world, which includes all of us, it's, it's strange. It's very, very strange that no one seems to say anything. No one wants to do anything. No one wants to even talk about it. And when you do talk about it, people, do you know the comments that I have had recently? And I've spoke to two like people that I would have thought that they would have an understanding. They just said, you know, Lilbayti Rabbun Yahmi. You know, the Masjid Al Aqsa has a Lord. It's Allah's house. Allah will look after it. Like this is the kind of putting your hands up. Like I've got nothing. Why are you telling me about it? What is Allah? Allah is saying, Woman Avlamu Mimma Mana'a Masajid Allah and Yuth Karafi Hasmuhu Wasa'afi Kharabiha. I believe Allah has given you an opportunity. Because if this wasn't happening at Masjid Al Aqsa, you and I would have no knowledge of what Masjid Al Aqsa is. We wouldn't have a clue. We wouldn't be educated on it. We wouldn't speak about it. We wouldn't even think about going. The fact that Allah has placed us at such a time when there are such violations happening, on one side Allah has favored us, that He's given us this chance to be part of the change, to be part of the liberation, to be part of the solution. Whether that solution happens at our time or not, the important thing is recognizing that this is the, one of the greatest ways of expressing your faith in this world right now is to work towards the frequenting, the honoring, the protecting of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And you know what? Ha- what, what happens if you do that? What are the virtues of that? How will Allah honor you, signify you? Recently, we had a talk called Elevated by the Divine. If you want to understand how Allah honors somebody, again, you probably noticed all the talks we've had recently, they have all been based on Quranic verses. We've not gone out. And we had that one session based on 40 hadith. Otherwise, we've only touched the Quran even today. We've stuck to Quran, only Quran. This is not a political issue. This is to do with your religion, with your deen. This is a Quranic mission. To safeguard, to protect, to frequent Masjid Al-Aqsa is a Quranic duty. Allah is calling you to it. Allah is calling you to it. So, the ultimate expression of dhulm on this earth is the violation of the masjid, and specifically Masjid Al-Aqsa. So the ulama say, the ultimate expression of iman on this earth is the frequenting of that masjid, is the defending of that masjid. And this can be done in many ways. It can be done in person, by you going there, frequenting it as much as possible. Send people there, encourage people to go there, motivate them, tell them you must go. This is not a, a holiday, it's not a trip. It's not just a ziyara, it's not just a tour, it's not just a sightseeing visit. You're going to fulfill your fard. You're going to fulfill your obligation. You're going to fulfill your duty. You're going to fulfill your responsibility. And there are different ways of doing it. It doesn't have to be 
done in person. That's one way of doing it. Not everyone circumstances allow for you to be there. You can't be there all. You're going to go there, what, for a few days? For one week, you're going to come back. So alongside that, frequenting Masjidul Aqsa doesn't just mean frequenting it in person. That's one way of frequenting. Frequenting it by knowledge, by learning about it, spreading the awareness of it. This creates a spiritual environment because it will encourage other people to know what Masjidul Aqsa is. Politically as well as spiritually, engage in Masjid Al-Aqsa. And remember, you are at a position of advantage. You have the advantage. You have an advantage that Palestinians don't have. The advantage you have, even Palestinians don't have. Palestinians living there cannot enter. They cannot go there freely. But you can. So you have this advantage. And we revive, go there, revive the gatherings of ilm. Revive the gatherings of dhikr that used to happen at one time. Revive the sufuf in the salah. You can make a difference. At this time, we can do a difference. We can make the difference and it's possible. Sometimes we have this all or nothing mentality. Like if I can't go there, I can't do it. No, 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 no. You don't have to be there to make a difference. Look at the examples of people around the world in our past history, recent and past you will notice that there were certain individuals who fought for the cause of Masjid Al-Aqsa and they hadn't stepped foot inside it. And Allah took work from them. So don't think that you, if I'm not there, I can't do anything for it. No, you can. You go there, you try and encourage people to go. But at the time that you can't, then look at, for example, the likes of Mawlana Muhammad Ali Jawhar, Rahmatullah Alayhi. Mawlana Muhammad Ali Jawhar is from India. And he works towards the liberation of India, first of all, because India was under British occupation. He spoke up against it. Whilst he's in India, and him and Maulana Shaukat, and they had a whole group and an organization, and they carried on working towards it. And he also raised the issue of Palestine, and he spoke about the British occupation of Palestine as well. The Mufti of Palestine, Al-Hajj Amin Al-Husseini, invited Maulana Muhammad Ali Jawhar to a roundtable conference where it took place in London. In the early 1900s, and Maulana Muhammad Ali Jawhar accepts the invitation from India, and he travels all the way to London. And in London, he gave a very fiery speech. He stood and he gave a speech at the round table conference. The land of the occupiers, the British occupation, was taking place that time. He gives this speech, and soon after this, on the 15th of Sha'ban, it was, he passes away. Laylatul Bara'a, he passed away. And everybody was taken aback that this is somebody who lived in India, traveled to Britain, gave a speech about the liberation of India and also Palestine, invited by the Mufti of Jerusalem, and he passes away. People were so moved. And then what happens? Allah honored him. What happened? Even though he passed away, he wasn't able to step foot in Masjid al-Aqsa during his life. What happened? They transported his body and he is buried now where? At Masjid Al-Aqsa. His body arrived at Masjid Al-Aqsa on the 5th of Ramadan. They performed Janazah, Salah, after Jum'ah in Masjid Al-Aqsa. And now if you go to Masjid Al-Aqsa, you can visit the grave Mawlana Muhammad Ali Jawhar Al-Hindi, it says. Indian scholar, Indian scholar buried at Masjid Al-Aqsa. You go there, he's not a Nabi, not a Sahabi. He was away from Masjid Al-Aqsa. Allah took work from him. Look at Nuruddin Zinki rahmatullahi. He didn't go to Masjid al-Aqsa. Salahuddin went, but Nuruddin didn't. He's still in Aleppo, in Halab, the crusader occupation. 
right? And uh, I forgot to mention this, that Imam Zuhaili is a recent scholar, Wahaba Zuhaili, and uh, he's passed away now. More recent scholar, he also has three books of tafsir. In one of his books of tafsir, he mentions that this ayah, woman he says that it was revealed regarding Baytul Maqdis, Masjid Al-Aqsa, and he says that maybe it's referring to future events that are going to happen. And then he gives the example of the Crusaders. Because the Quran is telling us that this is going to happen. And he says, look at the Crusaders, 88 years, there was no salah or adhan in Masjid Al-Aqsa. And he says, now look at the Israeli occupation which is taking place now. Rahmatullahi So, this is um, an example. Similarly, look at Maymuna radiallahu anha. Where is she? She's in Medina Munawwara, living in the house of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. She's never been to Masjid al-Aqsa. But what happens? From Medina Munawwara, she is working towards the cause of Masjid al-Aqsa, sending money for oil to be used in the lanterns of Masjid al-Aqsa. And she keeps this revived. Aftina fi Baytil Maqdis. The Prophet ﷺ is asked this question. With this in mind, almost three years ago, we initiated the Great Fajr campaign. This Great Fajr campaign was for this reason alone, to support the cause of Masjid Al-Aqsa and Palestine, to, keep, to revive it, to keep it afresh in the minds, to give you an opportunity to play your part whilst you are here in the UK, so that we also fall under the category of those who work towards expressing our iman against the greatest level of injustice that is being carried out against Masjid Al-Aqsa. So I request you all to please make an intention that this is something that we're going to try and attend anyway. Locally, every Sunday at Fajr, we have our masjid. Uh, so brothers are invited, sisters are invited, and it's also online. So those of you following us online, you can join online as well. An opportunity for you to connect. We have one lesson every week, and the concern remains alive. We discuss the news, the current affairs, what's happening at Masjid Al-Aqsa, what's happening in Palestine right now, and it keeps us engaged. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, If you preserve Allah, meaning Allah's deen, Allah's places, Allah will preserve you. This is a huge thing. Look in the history you will find. Look at Ali Imran, for example. right, And look at all of the other prophets that were linked to that particular land and place, even those who were not prophets. We spoke about in the, in the discussion we had, elevated by the divine. I suggest you to listen to that lecture and see how the Qur'an uh, uh, venerates those individuals. إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى آدَمَ وَنُوحًا وَآلَ إِبْرَاهِيمٍ وَآلَ عِمْرَانَ عَلَى الْعَالَمِينَ Allah elevated them, gave them such a fadilah. Who? Adam alayhi salam. Why? Because he built Masjid al-Aqsa. And Nuh alayhi salam. Because he also built Masjid al-Aqsa. Ibrahim alayhi salam's family. Why? Because they also built Masjid al-Aqsa. وَآلَ عِمْرَانَ What did they do? Al Imran also not necessarily built, but they were part of the Imran frequenting Masjid al-Aqsa. This is the connection between all of them the scholars mention, and this is why Allah gives them the fadila. Allah can also give you that fadila. This is the time. This is the need of the hour. And this is when our efforts will count. And remember, Quran says, Whoever honors and venerates the symbols of Allah. This is a sign of the taqwa of the heart. Do we want Allah to protect us? This is one of the easiest ways 
to get the assistance of Allah, the protection of Allah, the barakah from Allah, is to work towards preserving Allah's places. And the greatest and most beloved, Ahabbul biladi ilallahi masajid waha. The most beloved places in the sight of Allah are the masjids. Remember, it applies to all masjids. As Muslims, we are honored that Allah has given us this chance and opportunity to be in the house of Allah. Alhamdulillah, we have our masjid here as well. We shouldn't differentiate between the masajid. Yes, there are certain things. But every masjid is the house of Allah. And even within our discussions, I know we have differences with some people. But if it's a masjid, it's a masjid. Don't say anything about the masjid. You might disagree with certain people. You might disagree with certain ideas. If they're not Muslim at all, that's different, right? But if they are amongst the Muslimin, don't make comments about the masjid because the masjid is the house of Allah. You can pray there. You should frequent it. You should honor it. You should support it. You should ensure that it is taken good care of and the maintenance is there and it's frequented and it's defended and it's protected. Just because you don't go there, that doesn't mean it gives you a license to make comments in regards to it. Every masjid, these are places which are the forts on earth. And there are so many virtues in regards to the masajid and the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I end by mentioning that let's make an intention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala utilizes for the cause and the service of Baytul Maqdis and all of his masjids. Say Amin. This is something we should pray for, that Allah uses us for the service of his masajid. Ultimately, al-masjidul aqsa. We don't have a chance. You, if you want to serve masjidul haram, what would, what, how would you do it now? Right? You'd just become overshadowed. There's so many people already there doing so much work and khidmat and they've got the whole custodian of the Haramain Sharifain and there's hundreds and thousands of workers and even if you want to contribute anything, what would you do? You can't. Masjidul Nabi, you can't. Al-Masjidul Aqsa. This is an opportunity. Al-Masjidul Aqsa. You'll be remembered in history. Whether anyone remembers you or not, Allah will remember you. Because you stood up for that masjid when nobody was standing up for it. Believe me, even now, after all of this I've mentioned to you, there are people who are just not seeing it for what it is. They're not, they don't want to. They're saying, no, no, no. What's happening in Gaza has got nothing to do with Masjid Al-Aqsa. That's just another masjid. That's just another masjid. What's so special about it? That's got nothing to do with anything. You've lost the point. You've lost the point. Ask the people of Gaza. And look, if you don't ask the people of Gaza, look what the soldiers are saying. The people carrying out the massacres, they are saying, we're doing this for this reason. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَ أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين وإلهكم إله واحد لا إله إلا هو الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انصر إخوان
اخواننا المستضعفين المظلومين في غزه اللهم انصرهم نصرا عزيزا واتهم فتحا قريبا اللهم ايدهم بتاييدك اللهم كلهم عونا ونصيرا وسندا وظهيرا اللهم واقيه كواقيه الوليد اللهم انصرهم اللهم انصرهم نصرا عزيزا اللهم افرغ عليهم صبرا وثبت اقدامهم وانصرهم على القوم الكافرين وانصرهم على القوم الظالمين وانصرهم يا الله اللهم حرر المسجد الاقصى من كيد الغاصبين اللهم اعيد المسجد الاقصى الى رحاب المسلمين واستعملنا في تحريره يا رب العالمين اللهم من اراد بنا وبالاسلام والمسلمين خيرا فوفقه لكل خير واعلي به كلمتك ومن اراد بنا وبالاسلام والمسلمين شرا فاجعل تدبيرهم في تدميرهم يا رب العالمين اللهم شتت شملهم اللهم مزق جمعهم اللهم خرب بيوتهم اللهم خالف بين كلمتهم وامحو اثارهم واقطع دابرهم وانزل بهم باسك الذي لا ترده عن القوم المجرمين اللهم ارنا فيهم عجائب درتك يا قوي يا عزيز اللهم انا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم منزل الكتاب ومجري السحاب هازم الاحزاب اهزمهم وانصرنا عليهم يا رب العالمين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب